You're listening to the Church 2911 Sermons Podcast. You can follow along with the notes for this message and get better connected with our church by visiting church2911.com connect. This week we're talking about building a great marriage as Pastor Rick concludes the Relationship Status Series. So today, if you're not married, you may be looking and saying, well, bummer, this is about marriage, okay? It's going to be kind of marriage-centric, but it's not just about marriage. But there's a lot of you that aren't married but are going to get married. We actually have three couples in our church getting married within the next two and a half months. You know, so we, we, and we've got some others, I think, right on the edge of popping the question, you know. And so some of you girls, you say, oh, is it me? Is he about to ask me? You know, whatever. Uh, so th- there's a lot, there's quite a few of you that are probably not too far from being married. So this is to you as well. And there's some of you, maybe, maybe a little bit younger, that, um, that maybe you're, you know, three, four, five, six, seven, eight years away from actually being married. You can't imagine being married in the near future. But let me say this, even those of you, if you're 15, 16 years old, you are doing things right now that is preparing you to have a marriage for the long haul or to not have a marriage for the long haul. Things things that you're doing right now. So take heed today. Listen, okay? Listen to what I want, I want to share with you. I'm going to, share, I'm going to share several things with you. We're going to go into some scripture and, and uh, hear, hear what God has to say about a, a few things on marriage as well. And, and, so, and even, even you that have been married for a long, long, long time and think you, don't, you can't hear anything possible new about me, listen because you might need to just share it with somebody, okay? So, so this morning, uh, in it for the long haul, where do we begin with that? Let me give you number one. Number one is lose the baggage, okay? Lose the baggage, Every relationship creates baggage. Not just romantic relationships, every relationship. Some of you have been married 20 plus years and you still have baggage from your relationship with your parents. Amen. We do. Every relationship we have creates baggage. And what we have to do is we have to learn to lose the baggage. So let's talk about baggage a little bit. I'm not saying memories, okay? Uh, memories are great. Hang on to the memories, but it's the baggage that sometimes that memories create that we got to get rid of. And here's the explanation right here on the screen is memories from prior relationships. Bad memories can create expectations that cause us to miss the good in our present relationships, meaning that if you have bad memories, that can create an expectation that every person you're going to have a relationship with the rest of your life is going to treat you bad like those people did. Okay? So that's baggage. That's the kind of thing you need to lose. But also good memories. Good memories can even create baggage. Good memories can create expectations that can cause destructive comparisons. That you, in a, you could be in a great relationship with somebody right now, but you keep comparing them to somebody else that you were in a great relationship with. So even good, good memories can create baggage in the wrong way because, you know, sometimes you may have memories of, you know, you had a great relationship, somebody just really took you to some awesome highs, but then, you know, it kind of come back down in another awesome high. And that was great, you know, it was exhilarating to have those kinds of emotions in a relationship, but, you know, maybe where you're going to end up in that marriage for the long haul is one of these kinds of relationships. You know, it isn't so much like this, but it's just steadily growing and growing and growing. And you know what, you could, you, could, you could keep measuring that awesome relationship that is growing and getting deeper every single day. You can measure it by that one that did this with a huge highs and miss the good that is really there. Uh, pain can create fear of being open or being vulnerable. If you've been hurt in a relationship, 
tendency sometimes is to put up a wall. I've actually heard people, and you may have as well, and some of you may have even said this yourself. You say, I will never allow myself to be that close and get that hurt ever again. And you know what? If, you're, if you've said that, then don't ever get married. If you say, I'll never get close enough to get hurt again, then you can't get married because that's not ever going to last. You have to open yourself up if you're going to be married. Don't, don't ever say, I do. If, if, that, if that's your, What you really need to do is instead of refraining from getting married, what you need to do is you need to lose that baggage so you can open yourself back up. Or uh, mistakes can lead to shame or guilt if you made mistakes in the past. Should I have even said if? When you made mistakes in the past... They can easily lead to shame or guilt, and those will be baggage that you're carrying into, not just, not just a, a marriage in the future or a marriage that you're already in, for those of you who are already married, but any relationship. If you've made mistakes, you can have shame or guilt that you're carrying into every relationship you have the rest of your life. Unchecked, your past relationships will define your future relationships. If you don't keep them in check, if you don't check your bags, you know, if you don't lose your bags, if you don't leave them, let them go unchecked, the baggage that you have in your life, it will define and potentially destroy every future relationship that you have. So the first step is to figure out what the baggage is. Hopefully that helped a little bit. And then examine your responses. This is a little bit more about baggage right here that we carry in our responses. Now, a lot of people think they've got good instincts. Who here says, I have good instincts about things. I know I have, I, I'm able to operate in instinct. Anybody has good instincts? Come on, raise your hand. A few of you, yeah. yeah Y'all are scared. I'm going to really nail you here. All right? I'm going to prove that you really don't, right? No, the one that probably can prove that you don't is whoever's the closest to you in this life. They're probably the one that can say, no, you don't. Here, here's, here's what people don't realize. Some people think they have good instincts, but really they just have knee-jerk reactions, and you need to distinguish between knee-jerk reactions and instinctively being able to respond to a situation. And the biggest thing to, uh, I guess the biggest way to, to, to define or, or distinguish between them is that instinct is normally a good thing. And when, you, when you're able to act quick, you're know, able to size up a situation, act quick, that's instinct. But sometimes when you, when you act and it falls apart because maybe emotion got involved, if there's emotion involved, that's knee-jerk. You know, whenever there's emotion involved in a seemingly instinctive decision, that's a knee-jerk reaction because of something that all of a sudden in your mind you remember something else happened. Somebody says something, and that isn't anything they really, it isn't really what they meant, but you remember somebody else saying something years ago, and, and they meant it to hurt you, and so you, uh, you automatically, knee-jerk reaction, you react that way, the same way to this person, even though that's not what they meant. So you've got to be able to distinguish between knee-jerk reactions and instincts. Are you going to, those of you who are instinctively pretty good about you know, just sizing up a situation real good and making a decision, if you don't keep knee-jerk reactions separated from your instincts, you'll lose your instincts. They'll get swallowed up by your knee-jerk reactions. So examine your responses, and in that, you're going to find some baggage. And when you start, you know, when you realize, man, I'm hurting people's feelings a little bit more than I used to, you probably got some baggage that you need to sit down, um, and then let it go, like the, like the old Frozen song, right? Let it go, let it go. You know, if you had a relationship, no matter what relationship it is, uh, you know, uh, romantic or, you know, in, in other parts of your family, you know, 
uh, like your parents or something, or, or maybe a, just a best friend or whatever, if you had a relationship that you no longer have, there's a reason for that. You know, maybe you let it go, or maybe they let it go, or maybe just the situations caused you guys to have to realize we just got to break this off and let it go. You need to remember, you let it go for a reason back then, so you need to remember that reason and keep letting it go. Don't keep picking it up. Whatever it was, if, if, you know, if it's an oh, you need to let that go. Not, not that it goes away, not that the memories are gone, not that you can't pick up the phone and call them and talk to them, but the relationship, you need to let that go and move on. Decidedly, purposefully, move on, okay? Because that's not your relationship anymore. That's not your marriage anymore. I mean, especially those of you who are married, if you're still, you've just got some things that are hanging on, just some baggage hanging on in your life, you got to let that go and move on because you're married now. And, and this marriage that you're in is, it has the potential to be, it is the relationship that has the most potential to be the awesome relationship you, you're going to have for the rest of your life. So don't live in any other relationships. Let all that go. Move on purposely. Decidedly choose to move on and to live this new life. And, and listen, I didn't say unpack the bags. I said lose the bags. <laughs> because, you know, if you, you, know, you unpack the bags, I'm hanging on to this, you know, and just I hang on to a few. No, no, no. Don't unpack them. Lose them. You know, and leave them packed and lose the whole bag and everything that is there. Hang on to the memories. Hang on to all that, but lose the stuff that has grown out of that. Okay, that's number one. And I got six more to share with you, right? Okay, but they're going to be quick, a lot quicker than that, okay? okay and here, because they're all wrapped up in number two. The second thing is upgrade your habits. If, you want, if you're in it for the long haul, if you want to have that great, great marriage, then you need to lose the baggage and upgrade your habits. Okay, so let's talk about six habits. And actually, on the, uh, uh, on the Connect page, church2911.com, slash connect and go to the, the sermon notes there. There's actually 10. I, I've got four that I'm not even going to try to share with you because I know I just don't have time, okay? I'm going to give you six of them, but there's four more there, so go there today, okay? And there's actually an article there I'll tell you about in just a few minutes. You, I really want you to uh, read as well. Okay, so here's the first one, and I started with this one because it's from kind of relating back to the first sermon in the series, okay? Uh, don't allow your sexuality to ignite in the wrong places. Yes, if you weren't here two weeks ago, I preached on sect. And if you didn't hear that message, you need to go to the podcast and you need to listen to that message. Not because it was the most awesome message, because the content that was there was pretty awesome. But you need to go and listen to, to what God shared with us to that message, okay? But don't allow your sexuality to ignite in the wrong place. A little throwback to that. But listen, I'm not just saying don't have an affair. I'm saying don't even let your sexuality be ignited. Don't let the pilot burn even. Don't let just a little bit of passion outside of the fireplace, okay? Don't let it at all, anywhere. Don't let it begin to inflame outside of the fireplace. Now, let me also say then to you who are unmarried. Let me just read it, okay, so I get it right. If you're unmarried, know that having sexual relationships now will deeply and negatively impact your future marriage. If you are not married, you don't have your fireplace yet, okay? 
I'm not just talking about the one that's going to be in your house when you get married. But if you're not married, you don't have your fireplace yet. Okay, and, and go back to that first sermon, but if you didn't hear it, see, you can't really get everything I'm saying right here, so that's why you need to go back and listen to it. But when, if you're not married, you don't have that fireplace yet where everything can be awesome, everything is amazing and all that. So, so if you're not married yet, don't, don't even be dabbling with the fire yet because you don't have your fireplace, okay? Because every time you ignite a fire somewhere outside of that fireplace, it is impacting in a negative way your future marriage. And I know you, you may say, well, look around at all these people that are having all these sexual relationships before they get married, and they're, they're married and all that, and they seem to be doing fine. But here's the thing, is they may tell you that, but you know what they don't know? Is they don't know how much more awesome a relationship is without all of that previous sexual baggage and tension from, the, from before their marriage. They don't understand what a, what a marriage like that can be like. And, and the only people that can are the people that don't dabble in that and don't, uh, and don't al- allow their sexuality to be ignited in the wrong places. And I know some of you may be thinking, but, but what I've already have and I'm not married yet and I've, I already have. Then begin right where you are, okay? I'm going to come back to that toward the end of this message, okay? But just begin where you are. But if you're not, if you're not married right now, then, then, then don't, don't uh, you also don't allow your sexuality to be ignited in the wrong places. And wait until you've got that fireplace. If you have no clue what I'm talking about, then go back and listen to that first sermon, okay? You need, you need to hear that. Because it's so impactful, so, so important, okay? So here's the second one. There's only six of them, right? Here's the second one. Show pride in your spouse publicly. Okay. I, I actually had this written down in a negative way. Like, don't denigrate your spouse. I don't remember what word I used. But, you know, like, don't run your spouse down in front of other people. But I didn't want to just tell you what not to do. I want to tell you what to do. It's not enough to just refrain from, you know, talking negatively about your spouse, that's not enough. You also need to be talking positively about your spouse, you know? Uh, when, when, when you talk about your spouse, what is the impression people have of the way you, you feel about your spouse? Think about the Proverbs 31 woman. May, uh, you know, I don't have time to preach that, so if you're not really sure about that, go check it out. Proverbs 31 and just see how this woman, and what she was doing is she was so invested in her marriage. She was so invested in her spouse She was so invested in her husband. She wanted everybody to think her husband was as awesome as she thought he was. That's what I'm talking about here. You you need to show the pride that you have in your spouse. Don't don't ever ever walk out of a conversation somewhere and leaving people think that you're ashamed of your spouse or that you think your spouse is, is, is anything less than the most awesome woman or man in the world that God could have connected you with, okay? Show pride in your spouse publicly. Number three, uh, uncover, everybody say that second word up there. Y'all know what your means, right? means you, okay? Uncover your secrets. I didn't say uncover your spouse's secrets, okay? I didn't say, okay, Everybody needs to become a detective, go home and try to find out all the secrets that you're spouting. That's not what I'm saying, okay? <laughs> all right? Because if you do that, okay, imagine that. I go home and I start trying to find out what secrets Deva may have. And then Deva, she's trying to find out all the secrets that I may have. What is happening? What's happening? Now we're creating even more secrets because I'm, now I'm secretive about being, watching and finding her secrets. And she's being secretive about finding my secrets. So now we're creating more secrets, you know? But you just, you need to uncover your secrets. 
Stop hiding. Stop hiding places in your life. You need to uncover your secrets. And, and, and if I'm uncovering myself, if I'm trying to become more and more open in my, in my life with her, and she's trying to become more and more open, then, then, then I don't have to go look for her secrets. And, and she doesn't have to look for mine, you know? And, and, and we need to be there. Here, here's why. Here's why. Because you know what a secret is? A secret is a place where your spouse is not welcome. That's good, isn't it? See, that's what you do when you have a secret. You have created a place that your spouse is not welcome. What kind of relationship can you have? Now listen, I'm not saying if, you, you know, if you've been dating for six months or something that you need to uncover all your secrets. No, I'm saying absolutely, no, do not. Absolutely don't, okay? You know, but I'm saying if you're married, you need to be uncovering the secrets. You don't need to have any rooms, any places that your spouse is not welcome. Open the door, welcome them in. Because you remember when you got married, you know, when, when the preacher said, or, or even if it was a justice of the peace that married you, you know, he might have even said it as well, that, that now you were two, but no longer two, you've become one flesh. How can the right hand not know what the left hand is doing? You know, you're one. And so there can't be any secrets for you guys to, to have a strong marriage, to be close to be in it for the long haul, there can't be any places that you aren't together in. So, so open the doors again, uncover the secrets, okay? And so now I think, is this number four? Uh, I forgot my, oh yeah, strike the D word from your vocabulary. Y'all know what the D word is? Y'all know what it is? Don't, don't say it, strike it from your head. I'm joking, okay? <laughs> right? Okay, I got to use it sometimes like I'm preaching or, or, or you know, premarital counseling, got to use it sometimes, but we never use it about our marriage. Never have. You don't do that. Never, never threaten. Don't say, if or whatever, whatever, I'll divorce you. Or if or whatever, I'll leave you. I'm, I'll head home to mom or, you know, or I'll move out. Or don't even do that. Why? You, you've got to make the declaration that this is, I am committed to you until death do us part. And listen, if you're not married yet, but you're planning on getting married, and, you don't, and you're not going to stick with that spouse until death do you part, then change your vows. Don't make that promise to them before God because there's got to be punishment coming from that. If you make that kind of, you make that kind of commitment, don't even make the commitment. If you've made the commitment, that's what you've, you've, said. you've said. So strike divorce from your vocabulary. Don't ever use it. It's never even an option. I mean, it's not an option. Dave or I, one's going to die one day, and the first one of us, when we die, we're going to die married to the other one. I mean, that's our declaration. We are not going to get divorced, come hell, high water, or whatever else you want to throw in the, in the mixture. We have made up our mind. We're going to be married until death does us part. Strike the D word from your vocabulary. And, and especially those of you who've got divorce in your family, people around you that have been divorced, or those of you who have been divorced before and now you're remarried, Strike the word from your vocabulary. Never, ever use it again. I mean, you might even want to just get really corny with it to not even use it in conversation, even if it's not about your marriage. Just strike it from your vocabulary, okay? So now, number five, I think. Keep your marriage strong even while raising your kids. Okay, don't read that bottom part just yet. Let me just set this up just for, real quick. You know people that's done this? They put their marriage on hold to raise the kids? The kids now become so important that their marriage is on hold. And so the marriage becomes all about the kid. But what happens? When the nest empties of all those kids, and it empties of all that the marriage consisted of for 20 years, you may not just find an empty nest. You might find an empty marriage. 
And that's why, that's why it happens a lot of times that, that people struggle, and a lot of them end up getting divorced because they made it all about the kids. And then when the kids leave, there's nothing left. There's nothing left because it, all, it was all about the kids. So for the last 20 years, or, or maybe even more, for the last 20 years, there have been no investments there, there have been no strengthening. There have been no, there have been no work on, 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 on coming closer together in the marriage because it's been all about the kids. And, and you know, and, and, and here's, here's the bad thing, is that doesn't mean that nothing else is there. Oh, there's stuff there. You've just not been building your marriage. But the other stuff has been growing there because you've been out in culture, you've been out in community, you've been out at work, or you've been out social media, or you've been out in the media and movies and things like that. And other things have been coming into you, but you've not been investing into the marriage. So the, it's not just that the marriage isn't getting stronger. It's that other things have gotten stronger. Than, and, and so the only thing that is good, really, marriage-wise, is the kids. Now they're gone, and all that's left is the other stuff that has come in from the outside into your marriage. And that's why not everybody, not everybody that does this ends up divorced. Because some people fight through, and they say, we've got to rebuild our marriage we got to get to counseling. we got to get some help. But then they, what they've got to do is they've got to quickly do 20 years or more of work that they haven't been doing to try and hold it together. If you're in it for the long haul, never put your marriage on autopilot or set it aside for anything else. Because there's coming a day that's just going to be you and her or you and him. And when there is, there better be something else there besides all that. I think this is number, the last one of these. and Then we're going to go and look and see what the word is. It says, follow your commitment instead of your feelings. Okay? You know, when you got married, did you, what was your commitment? Uh, I mean, what, what was it you promised? you promise feelings or commitment? Follow your commitment. You ever heard anybody say, well, some days, sometimes I just don't feel married. You ever heard anybody say that? Yeah. You know what? I'll say it. Some days I don't feel married. And one of the reasons is I ain't got a clue what that means. <laughs> what does it mean to feel married, you know? I don't know what it means to feel. I've been married for 30, oh, wait, I can't even add them up. Right. Wait, wait, this is 18. Okay, I've been married for 30, 37 years, maybe. <laughs> 38. Yes, this year will be 39. Okay, yeah, 38 years. I've been married for 38 years. I don't know what, I don't know what that means, to feel married. What does that mean, to feel married, you know? You know, one of the things I noticed as a pastor uh, all these years that I've been a pastor is, is people that have been in church for a long time, one of the biggest struggles most of them have is the feeling. It's when they're struggling, they say, you know what, it just doesn't feel like it did when I first got saved. Well, good. You know, I hope you've grown up since then, you know. I hope, you know, you're not the same person. You know, so in the same thing, we do the same thing with marriage. Oh, well, it just doesn't feel like it felt just then. Exactly. Because probably when you got married and right before you got married and all that, I, I, you know, let's, can, can I be honest? Can I, just, can I just throw it out there and you guys not swallow your tongue about it and get all bent out of shape because I said this? But can I just tell you that, that the reason is because when you first got married, it was probably, a lot of it was probably just about hormones, okay? And I mean, hormones, not even emotion for a lot of us, okay? Hormones, which is not even emotion. And emotion is not the commitment. 
And so when we say, I, I just don't feel married, what does that mean? Who cares? That, you know, thank God that I'm not married because I feel married. Okay, so here's the truth, all right? I'm going to give you the truth right here. I don't feel married. I am married. It's not feeling. It's fact. It's that I am married. You know, I don't, I might not feel like a human being today, but I am. I'm not a dog. I'm not a horse. I'm not a rocket ship or an airplane. Sometimes I wish I was so I could get somewhere real quick. That's not what I am. I am a human being. And this seems like right now our culture is all, you know, we're all about, you know, what do you feel like? You know, how do you feel? You know, you know what's going on and how you feel about that? It doesn't matter. What matters is what you are. And let me tell you what I am. I'm married. 38 years and counting. I am married. It doesn't matter what I feel like on a day. Because you know what? When we got married, my dad pronounced me and Dave a husband and wife 38 and a half years ago. Our vows did not say, I promise to honor, cherish. You know, I, I, I promise to honor you and cherish you until emotions do us part. Those weren't our vows. Was that anybody's vows? Anybody? Anybody? That's not what our vows said. Our vow said, I promise to honor and cherish you until death do us part. You know, and so I guess if, you, if you're just planning on being married until, it, as long as it feels good, I think you need to ch change those vows. That I promise to honor and cherish you until emotions change. That's not our vows. So we made a commitment and we're still in this thing. And I know a lot of you are as well. So got a lot of uh, habits to upgrade and there's four more that I don't have time to share with you I, kn I knew I wouldn't have time I'm about to wrap this up but I, I want to really go to some word right here to share with you just a little bit of what God says about it really and uh, I mean I give you scripture for all of these things that I've said so far but don't have time to read all the scriptures so but I want to really take you some good scripture right here okay Malachi chapter 3 you know what that is right that's where God says Okay, you people, you're not blessed because you haven't brought the tithes and offers. You, you're robbing me. You're stealing what belongs to me instead of bringing that 10% and everything. And so that's why you don't have any blessings in your life. Well, in Malachi chapter 2, God tells us kind of the same thing in a way, but he says it about marriages. Look right here. Malachi chapter 2, verse 14. You cry out, why doesn't the Lord accept my worship? Now, this is God speaking through the prophet Malachi. He's saying to Israel, you cry out, why doesn't the Lord accept my worship? I'll tell you why. Because the Lord witnessed the vows you and your wife made when you were young, but you have been unfaithful to her, though she remained your faithful partner, the wife of your marriage vows. Everything is connected. God says, I can't bless you in Malachi chapter 3. I can't bless you financially because you're robbing me financially. Malachi chapter 2 says, I can't accept your worship because of the way you're treating your spouse. Everything is connected. Our worship, our blessings, and the way we treat our spouses and the way we treat others in this world, even just our best friends and our, 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 our parents, and everything is connected. It's not like just this one little thing. I can do right over here and everything's going to be okay. No, 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 no. That's just not the way it works. God gave us an understanding of sowing and reaping, right? We put a seed in the ground and something's going to come of it. And what's going to come of it is based on what that seed is. That seed is of something, right? And so if you plant a good seed, yeah, you're going to get something good. But if you plant one good seed and three bad seeds, you're going to get, you know, you're going to get one good harvest and three bad harvests. You know, and so all the good is like going to be swallowed up and all of the bad is you can't just, you know, it's like those six or ten things, those habits. 
you know, that we need to upgrade, you can't pick two or three of those and say, well, I'm going to work, work on these and maybe my marriage will get better. Not if all the rest of them you're blowing every day. It's not going to work that way. I mean, you know, it really kind of sounds like an all or nothing. In some ways it is. It's marriage. This is commitment. This is lifelong. And it's, like, and it's not just lifelong. It's like encompassing everything about your life. And you got to make everything be kicking and working, you know, on all cylinders and going. you got to make them all work. And if there's one that's missing, that's the one where the weeds are going to come up. That's the one where the, the trouble is going to be. Okay, but that's not all God says right here in Malachi chapter 2. He says something even stronger. This is really in your face. He says in the next two verses, he hates divorce. Now, I didn't say that. Malachi, the prophet, said, this is what God says to you, okay? You know, like that first one right there, I read it and I said, okay, here's what he's saying. Everything is connected. Right here, I'm I'm not paraphrasing God. God says this. Malachi 2, verse 15, 16. This is right after that verse 14 we just read. Didn't the Lord make you one with your wife? In body and spirit you are his. And what does he want? Godly children from you. And okay, some of you think I pushed the, push the uh, young, young marriage around here a little bit too hard about this. But you see the scripture right here, God says he wants kids, okay? So y'all, y'all, quit, uh, y'all quit not sharing, uh, providing kids and grandkids to your parents, all right? Because God says this as well right here. Okay, uh, godly children from your union. That's what God wants. So guard your heart. Right? That was a joke anyway, okay? All right, so guard your heart. Remain loyal. Not, not completely, totally, okay? But all right. Okay, it is the word, okay, it's the word, all right? So guard your heart, remain loyal to the wife of your youth, for I hate divorce. You see it right there? For I hate divorce, says the Lord, the God of Israel. To divorce your wife is to overwhelm her with cruelty. God said he hates divorce. This this is one of the most strongest messages that God gives us in his word about marriage, is that he hates divorce. And some of you may say, well, Pastor, you're going you're gonna to hurt people's feelings sitting here that have been divorced, and you're going to hurt that. No, I'm not, because you know, nobody knows the pain of divorce better than those people. You ask them, you know what most of them will say? they say, I agree with God. I hate divorce too. Anybody that's been divorced probably will say, I can tell you, yeah, I hate it too. I, I hate all that caused it and all that stuff, but I hate divorce too. And you, and you know why God says I hate divorce? You know why? I mean, I mean this, this may really seem hard-headed here. You know, may really seem hard-headed. There's a reason God says this. But let me take you to the New Testament real quick, okay? And you got 10 scriptures there, but I don't have time to read them. But there is a great article by Tim Challies on, the, on 10 common but illegitimate reasons to divorce. Now, see, the Bible says in the New Testament there's only one reason for divorce and remarriage. That's what's about in, in the New Testament. That's what it says, only one reason, and that's adultery. Meaning that if you're married... The only reason that God gives for us to get divorced and marry somebody else, if we get divorced and marry somebody, is if our spouse committed adultery. And there's, there's, a, you know, there's a lot of stuff said. I mean, people tell you, oh, you just need to get divorced. Well, that's okay. God will overlook that. God will accept that you needed to get divorced in that situation. Oh, you need to be divorced to that and this and this and this, and it's okay, and you can go marry somebody else. And Tim Challies wrote a great article, so instead of me, I knew I didn't have time. I, th- I was just, thank you, God, that found this great article that I could, here's the rest of the sermon, okay? So again, go to church2911.com slash connect, sermon notes, click on the link, it'll take you right to it. If you have a hard time finding it, text us and we'll send you the link, okay? This sounds, this sounds, this, this sounds kind of rigid, doesn't it? Only one reason? 
Only one reason? God doesn't just dislike. God hates divorce. Only Do you know, here's the point, is God is serious about marriage. That's the point here. The point is not about divorce. The point is not about people getting divorced. God is serious about marriage. And that's why he says, with emphasis, I hate divorce. That's why God says that. That's why in the New Testament, he says there's only one reason, there's only one thing that will break that union between a man and a woman, and that's when one of them takes and breaks that union by having sex with somebody else. That's the only thing that breaks it, God says. And the reason, the reason God says this, the reason God comes down so, you want to call God pig-headed, go ahead. I'll tell you about this, God's pretty pig-headed about it. He's pretty, he's pretty hard-headed about this. And the reason isn't because he dislikes, it's because he loves marriage. And he wants you to have the awesome, amazing, wonderful, beautiful marriage that he dreams you can have. And that's why he comes down so hard-headed about this. It's because he wants you to have awesome. And he wants you to have amazing. God is serious about divorce. And at 2911, so are we. I'm sorry, God is serious about marriage. And at 2911, so we're serious about marriage. So much so that we set a zero divorce goal on our watch you come here, we're gonna, we've got a goal. If you if you're a attend this church, we got a goal of seeing zero divorces of people in our church. Why? Because we're serious about marriage. We're serious about what God wants to do in your life. We're serious about the beautiful, awesome that He wants to do. And so here, and I know here comes the question. But Pastor, I'm already divorced and remarried. And did you tell? I, no, no. Listen here. Listen here. With our past, let's let's talk about our past just a moment. When we mess up, we can go back into our past and we can apologize to people that we have hurt and offended. We can fix things like that. If we stole something from somebody or we destroyed something from some, that someone owned, we can go back and make, as we used to say, it called it restitution. We can restore things. We can, you know, buy them anew, whatever it was that we broke, you know. I backed over somebody's fire pit one day, you know, and went and bought them another fire pit. Thankfully, it wasn't a brick one that tore up my truck, you know, but I went and bought them another. That's making restitution when I tore something up. We can do that kind of a thing. But as they say, you can't unring a bell. You know, once you're divorced and remarried, you can't really back up and undo all that. So what do you do? You pick up where you are. And then you do the best you can from this point on. Meaning that if you've been divorced and remarried, this is where you find yourself trying to follow God. You pick up right there and start chasing after God. That this thing that you are now committed to is the one that you're in it for the long haul. That that's it. That's what this is all about. And so whatever place you find yourself in, never married, married, divorced and remarried, widowed, hoping to be married again one day, whatever it is, Wherever you find yourself, just pick up right there and do the things necessary to have that awesome, awesome future that God dreams you could have. And let's begin that by closing around the front, okay? If you're a first-time attender, we like to close around front with a final prayer and a final song. And if you're comfortable, we'd love to have you join us right down here at the front. So come, come this way if you can, if you will, and, and we'll close. Just a final little thought in prayer and song.
why it's so quiet in here today with all this carpet on the floor, isn't it? You know, it's like y'all aren't making so much noise walking down the aisle today. <coughs> so what do we do? What do we do? We pick up wherever we are. I'm I, I, I going to do this just a little different right here. I want to I challenge you. Jamie's going to lead us in a final song. Jamie, when I start praying, go ahead and start singing when I start praying. In, in this three-week sermon series on relationships, you guys, and this is one of the reasons I like doing this series, is because you guys, it seems like you guys get it. There's something about the, the reality of it. You guys start getting it, start working on your marriages, start working on your relationships, start working on your life. It's one of the reasons I like this series, okay? Even though some of you might like other series, I like this one because I see more happening in you because of this series. And so I, I thank God for that. But we've listened to three sermons, but nothing is going to change in your life because you heard three sermons. You got to do something with what you heard. You got to choose to make your marriage better. You got to choose to make your future better. You, you know, I, you know, I appreciate your confidence. You think you can just come hear me speak for a little while and your life's going to get better. I appreciate your confidence. That ain't the way it works. We got to hear God and then we got to act on what we hear. And so, here, and not just about marriage, but whatever else is going on in your life. Here, here's, what, here's what I want. I, I want to I pray several things here right now. I want to I pray if you're not a Christian, if you're not following God yet, but you realize, man, I, I'm on the wrong path, you change it. I want to pray with you about that. But I also want to pray about that zero divorce goal. I want you to pray with me about that too, okay? But here's, here's the thing I want, you know, I want us to all pray that. But here's the thing I want you to pray individually. I want to ask you, has God spoken anything to you in these three sermons in this series? Has he spoken anything? Has he, has he checked your heart? Has he checked your soul? Has he quickened you about anything? And maybe it's something like, well, I can't remember exactly what. Maybe you can't put it in words exactly what it was, but you know God was speaking to you. And so I want us, individually, every one of us, to pray about that thing. I want us to pray about that. And I want us to pray for God to give us the strength and the determination to work on that, to roll up our sleeves, to dig in, and to do what it takes to accept what he has said and actually let's do it and make our lives better tomorrow because of it. Make our marriages more awesome. You, you know, um, I said in the first service, I'd say this real quick, a lot of times, you know, I know small businessmen, they sometimes say, I don't know why I can't get good employees. I guess I'm going to have to just start hiring better employees. But you know what? If you hire better employees, you might still keep losing them because the answer may be that you need to become a better employer. You can hire the best employees, but if you're not the best employer, you're going to lose them to a better employer if they're the best employees. You see, the onus keeps coming back to me, me, me. You can say, well, if my spouse would, and I wish my spouse, you can say all that kind of stuff, but sometimes if you want a better spouse, you need to become a better spouse. So let's deal with that right now. You've been listening to the Church 2911 Sermons Podcast. If you have a prayer need, our prayer team and pastoral staff would love to pray with you. 
You can send us your prayer requests by using the email address prayer at church2911.com. If you would like to know more about our church, including information about our weekly services, please check out church2911.com. Thank you for listening. We hope you know that God has an amazing dream for you. And as always, we dare you to dream.